And who shall lead and nurture our nation's sons, if not you, you who have sworn the preservation of the nation itself, you who have dedicated your lives, your fortunes, your sacred honor, to take responsibility in whatever the task demands, to apply careful, thoughtful, intelligent guidance to the never-ending problems of moral and professional leadership, that indeed is the Navy way. think this Navy thing is a good idea. What if you get called into combat? Not to worry, honey. We live in a highly technological age where fighting a war is as simple as turning off a light. Nighty night. Thank you for joining us on Longest War. On this episode, we have former Navy aircraft director, Brian Paz. Hi, Brian. How are you today? I'm great, Lauren. And you? Oh, so good. I'm so glad you guys could join us. Brian drove down from North Jersey, so we made a trek here to Philly. This is our fifth episode. We're recording on location in Philadelphia. Brian is also not only a Navy veteran, which is near and dear to my heart, but he's also in the same fellowship class with me, with Mission Continues. So we're going to have a lot of good stuff to talk about today. So I know um, I joined the Navy just because you know I never even looked in any other branches. I'm curious why uh why did you choose to join and more specifically why that branch i always had a strong feeling for for military service it really didn't hone in until junior year i remember being in school and th- the fever at that time everybody was looking into schools you know they they would be applying to senior year end of junior year i remember most of my friends they were pretty much certain of what they wanted for their future. Yeah, I would talk to one friend and he or she would say, you know, I'm going to be a computer engineer. And the other one would say, I want to be in business or a cook or whatnot. Mm-hmm. You would ask Brian what he wanted to do. And it's one week I would be a computer engineer. Mm-hmm. The next week I'd be asked the same question and I would be a computer technician or a cook. Mm-hmm. Or I was just so scared because I had not made that choice for myself. And you were feeling this pressure in junior year. Yeah. That's, I feel like, I mean, I feel like that's young. In junior year, I don't know, I was still fucking off. Some, you know what I mean? Like, I think growing up, we, we, we feel the pressure, especially with, uh, with us that come from, from parents that are immigrants. My family, my mom and my dad, they came from Colombia. I was here, I got here to the States when I was one. I was born in Colombia. And unfortunately, my mom and my dad weren't together they, for very long. So I, was, I always lived with my mom. So it was my mom and I. I would see my father occasionally, but... For the most part, it was my mother and I. And I remember by the time sophomore, junior year started hitting, I was getting really scared because she had a choice. When my mother and my dad split, they, they decided that uh, she was, she was going to go back to Columbia for a year and stay out there and then, you know, see what, see what happened. And I remember her family telling her, don't leave, stay here, stay with us, we'll help you raise them and whatnot. And she decided no. You know, my that my dad was here, and she wanted my my dad to be part of that of my life, and so she made that sacrifice of having something comfortable and coming back, and you know, busting her ass, and you know, working long hours, and I just remember, like, I can't, I cannot be that kid that just roams around a little ho- uh, hoopty around the school after I graduate. I just didn't want that for me. And then with the whole thing of uh, of 9-11, it just kind of, you know, being so close to home, it was across the river for me. I remember seeing, you know, the, 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 for I forget how many how many days long that, that black cloud lingered over New York. Mm-hmm. And so 
it just it just kind of motivated me to get into it. And I, I, I said to myself, I remember, I picked the Navy. I said, you know, I'm going to be in, out of harm's way. I, I don't think, I, I, at that point, I didn't think, I don't think I was brave enough. And I don't think to this day, I, get, I give a lot of props to Marines and, and, to the, and to Army soldiers. They make that tough decision of being being in, in, in the midst of it all. And I just, I, I don't think I was brave enough to make that decision. So I said, you know what, at least I, I will service my country, I will service myself if I join something um, that will keep me out of harm's way, that would give me the opportunity to come and visit the family whenever I could and, and whatnot. And I said, if, 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 it, if it's for me, then I'll make it a career. If not, then I'll get out and go to school. So you didn't out. You didn't. You're a veteran now. You didn't make it a career. I didn't. No, I didn't. Maybe it's because you were stuck on a flight deck like 20, 23 out of twenty four hours. A day. You know what? <laughs> Actually, that that was perhaps what I missed the most of my Navy career. I missed deployment. Yeah. Everything else, I didn't. Right. Everything else, I didn't. Deployments were pretty badass. I mean, I was on a ship that port that went into port a lot. What aircraft carriers? Not so much. Like you go float around for like nine months and then you yeah. get like a day of liberty, right? <laughs> so we, so I was, I was stationed on board at the USS Theodore Roosevelt. That's out of Norfolk, Virginia. It's an aircraft carrier. It's huge, it's huge. On deployment, we had about close to, if not a little bit over, five thousand people. Mm-hmm. So it's a floating city. Can I jump in and ask a Absolutely, question? Absolutely, yeah. of course. Is like the berthing areas on carriers bigger than the smaller boats, or is it still like pretty fucking tight? I can answer that. It's the same. Do you I, think, I, feel I, like I think so. I think it is. I think yeah. it is. I think it's there's like a standard. Little, just that little. Yeah, we call them so coffee, coffee this, racks. <laughs> so you see this room. You, this would be like a stateroom, uh-huh. right? Where the officers, yep. like this, this room right here would fit two people for officers. Now, if it, that's luxury. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you want, you can take a picture of that room right over where I grabbed this chair, and it looks like about the size that my my birthing was, and we f- we were able to fit twenty seven people. Yeah, we had coffin racks. So absolutely. What is what is the the ship? So on a carrier, what is that? Is that a captain? Yes, yes, yes. And he gets a little more leg room, right? Oh, yeah. I visited the staterooms when we came back from uh, deployment. We we were in the shipyards for a few months. We came back to the shipyards, and I remember they were tearing apart the ship. They were they're overhauling the entire thing. And I remember going into the stateroom once because it was it was all torn apart, so there was nobody there. Yeah, I asked one of the more senior senior security guards or security task force guys, and then I, I asked them like. Whose room was this? This is the CL, and I'm like, this guy had like, it looked like a, a like a studio. <laughs> I was like, a studio apartment, you, like a little studio <laughs> apartment in the middle of the. You know, I was like, what are you kidding me? Absolutely. This, the perks of rank, I guess. It is, and and the XO wasn't too far from it too, man. He, he had some some good stuff, but uh, what about the master chief? Honestly, I don't know where he he slept, but I'm sure he had. They don't sleep, right? Master chiefs don't sleep. They just <laughs> no. They sleep all day. They live on nicotine on and hate. <laughs> Um, no, you know what? I actually enjoyed Master Chiefs. E9s, yeah. right? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Master Chiefs. I love Master Chiefs. I, I think they were so awesome because they've already made it. They, they didn't have to play the political game anymore. No. They've already made it the rank. And so they were focusing on just making sure that the things got done. But they, they had the time to mentor you and coach you and give you some tips here and there. Mm-hmm. While some of the other Chiefs that were kind of going up the ladder, they were just kind of more, more to themselves. They were focused more on, on making that that next rank and this may be a stereotype but have you ever met a master chief without a mustache because i have not personally <laughs> oh holy shit no i don't think <laughs> i have i think I there was th- just there was this one lady <laughs> i don't think i ever a master have chief, no. a i think they're issued the master chiefs <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think i ever i don't think i've ever met anyone what uh, what was the highest rank that you achieved uh, that i achieved i achieved the e4 petty officer third class me too how long did it take you to hit e4 i would say two and a half years 
Took you like two and a half years active duty, then you took the test and you got. Do you remember what the percent was? Because I remember when I went up for E4 the first time for machinist mate, it was like a 10%, whatever they called it, like a 10% chance that you were going to hit, get that rank. Same here. About 10%. I think, if if not, maybe a little less, just because there was so many of us. Mm -hmm. And around that time, I think that's when they were going to start pushing for downsizing. So there wasn't that many spots. I, I know that for a fact. And you were always on the Theodore Roosevelt, right? Yes, that, that was your. That was yes, your... I, I obviously we did boot camp out of uh, right. Chicago. Uh, yeah, out of uh, what is it, Great Lakes, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Great mistakes. Then, <laughs> <laughs> and then we, uh, I was sent down to uh, to Pensacola, Florida, for two months, two or three months, where I did my aircraft directing school, and then I was sent out straight to the Roosevelt. I didn't last one day. I actually arrived at the Roosevelt, and the next day we were going out for ammo offload. They had just came back a few months from uh, about a month or so from deployment. So they were doing ammo offload out, out to sea. Mm-hmm. Those two ships side by side, bunch of helicopters, picking up ammo, bringing it up to the other ship for two or three days. So it's two, and it doesn't stop. It's two, three days non, non, right. nonstop. And they'll take the ammo for one and just kind of. So let me jump in again. So what's the purpose of that? So the Roosevelt is gonna be docked for a while. So, so yeah, so usually when, to answer your question, so. All the time when, when an aircraft aircraft comes back from aircraft carrier comes back from deployment, they go into the shipyard for about nine months, and it's mainly to do overhaul on, especially on the airfield, that takes a beating like a real bad. So you have to strip all the non-skid off the flight deck, and you know they they do maintenance on the elevators and maintenance on engines and all kinds of stuff. Um, so you guys aren't living on the ship at that point, like you're living like barracks. If we're if we are if it's a wet Shipyard, then yes, you're living on there. Means meaning you're, wet, you're meaning, in the water, you're not in dry dock. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay. it's only when you're in dry dock that, you know. You, they send you to like a birthing ship, a basically. Birth, yes. What do they call that? So the first time I got to the Roosevelt, we did the ammo offload. They got rid of everything. And about about a month after that, we moved from Norfolk down to Portsmouth, Virginia, which, which is a wet wet shipyard. And they do, um, it's like when you take a car for, for a regular oil mm-hmm. change. You know, they do, you know, the, the, the usual. And then when we went on deployment and came back, it was about that 20 year, 25 year mark that it had been in um, service, that had been commissioned. And about every 20, 25 years, the aircraft carrier has to go in to get to take the rods, the uranium rods from the generators, because it's, it's a nuclear ship. They got to take all those, all the reactor and all that stuff out and then replace it with new, with new stuff. Because, I mean, they do it, I guess, I'm not exactly sure why they do it, because you can live the ship can live on the, that one set of uranium rod and reactors for about 50 years. And when they do that, they kick you off the ship? Yes, they kick. Well, because of probably the ex- nuclear exposure and stuff yeah. like that. The only people that are allowed to stay on the ship are people that are going to stay on duty. Essential personnel. Essential personnel. Right. So every now and then you'll have like a couple of people that from every department stay on the ship for that night. And then like, you know, regular section duty. But what, you know, when you're in wet dock, right? Like, and you still sleep on the ship. Like, if you just get fucking tired of sleeping in a three foot by a four foot rack, like, can you just be like, yeah, I'm gonna stay out tonight and go get a hotel room somewhere and get a you good could, night's as sleep? You could as long as as long as you come back for muster at, at, in the morning. As long as you're you're in line in the morning, you're fine. So yeah. you're like, you have an end of a work day, and then at the end of the work day, you can leave the ship, do whatever you want. Yeah, as I long mean, as you're back. unless you're not, if you're not on duty, if you don't have watch. Yeah. Well, for junior personnel, unless you're married, right? You're E5 not co- you're not collecting BEH. If you're single and you want a, an apartment of your own, you have to be at least, a, at minimum, an E4 for about a year or so. And then you qualify for, uh, or I think it's five. 
I think it's E5, or unless you're married, E4 or E4. E3. Yeah. yeah, and and then you can get your own your own place out, out in town. So like at the end of the day, a good amount of the people would go go home to their families. Okay. The junior personnel, junior personnel, unmarried like myself, would stay on board. Sometimes I go over a friend's house. Like if I had a yeah. friend that lived out in town in Japan, go hang out there. Or sometimes me and the girls would like a hotel, like you said. Just, just it, it was nice once in a while. Yeah, like, in the to weekends. The in the weekends it was great. Sometimes I mean yeah. we were so close to Virginia Beach. You just go out the bar, go to dinner, go do whatever you yeah, want yeah, to. Yeah. Okay. And then sometimes you could just stay. I mean, like like Lauren said, you know, you have friends out and about. You know, they, they hey, just crash the night here or whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. that's usually the best option. Because Virginia comes for assholes. Yeah. 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 They, they're out, like, around the area, around where, like, Norfolk, Campton Roads area. Right? Oh, yeah. The cops are out there to get you, man. And they like, got no sympathy That's where they wear, folks. like, the cavalry gear. Or is that Maryland? Where they have, like, those ridiculous, like, old school, like, I think that's uniforms. Maryland. No, I've, okay. seen, I've seen that <laughs> You know in what I mean, yeah. though, right? <laughs> but, um, but out in that area, like, all the ships, and especially the, the Navy, what is the Mid-Atlantic station right there in Norfolk? DUI is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So you, as soon as you come on the ship, you have a chart of when the last DUI happened, or you have like the the, the picture of the person who did it, really? and it's just to remind you, like, don't be that guy, don't be that Carl. <laughs> what did we say? Uh, don't be that shit bag. Yeah. <laughs> don't be that guy. Mm-hmm. And and so. So what happens to that guy? See, so you, you get an NJP, right? Like, so you'll get. Like forty five days mass. extra duty. Yes, definitely captain's captain mass. Mass. That's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Captain's yeah, yeah. So you, um, you go before the captain, he issues you a punishment. Like it's not It's for you, four, you usually forty five, forty five. You get demoted. Yeah. Lose rank usually. You get demoted and on top of that half months pay times two. Half months pay times two. Jeez, you know this. Been there <laughs> oh, yeah? once. Okay. Me so, too. We've all done it. <laughs> oh yeah. Just called different shit in the branches. There you go. So it was it's pretty bad when you have to sleep in a coffin and then have the the opportunity to go out and about. Now you're restricted to you're the ship. You're restricted to that coffin for 60 days and mm. nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so you don't want to make and drive. Yeah. Luckily, in Japan, like my, it was walking distance to the haunch where all the sailors went to like uh, go and drink and there was always trains and stuff. But I never was stationed stateside. So well, I, I was in California only for a little bit, but that's interesting. You're on a small boat, right? Yeah, the Blue Ridge uh, was one of the two command flagships in the Navy. That's right, that's right. And um, the Whitney's the other one, USS Whitney. And I was on the Nimitz for like three months over in California, but we never, we went out just to putz around and I forget for maybe a couple weeks and then came back and then I got, I was getting out. So I got put on in a barracks on base, but uh, I hated the aircraft carrier, dude. I'm so glad I only had like three months on that thing. I could never figure out where the hell I was. In the middle of the night one time, they mustered us all on the flight deck because some guy dropped dead. And like, cause that never happened on the Blue Ridge. You know what I mean? I never seen like, God, God forbid, like anyone die or anything. And we had man overboard on the no. on the Nimitz. Oh, I was actually, like, this is the real shit on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> we actually had one too. We had one man overboard, and yeah. they, they take that stuff real serious. Oh yeah, they take uh, this guy got uh, he was coming up off he he didn't belong in the flight deck to begin with. He just so happens that I don't know how he made it, how he had a cranial. How, he just so happens to go up there, and as he's coming up there, they were pulling one of the uh, and when I mean pulling, they were they were signaling one of the. Uh, aircrafts one of the jets that were near the the catwalk off that like and so when he was coming up the exhaust just like sh- you, shot you, him off because with those i mean it's an aircraft so you have to kind of you know you have to put the throttle a little bit up to just kind of get some movement 
So at that moment, he just so happens to come up and the exhaust just like sweeps him off his feet and, and drops him. I think it was like 90 to 100 feet in the water. Yeah. Did you guys rest? Did you get rescued? Yeah, yeah. And he was fine. He just had like a, I think, I think he, he might have had like a broken ankle or something. And he like shed himself. I'm sure he, he did. I'm sure he did. <laughs> and he never came topside ever again, right? <laughs> no, he didn't. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I, when you came up and I found out you were you were on the on the flight deck, I said, Brian, I think that's the one of the most dangerous positions in the Navy. I worked in the boilers, so I was pretty scared i mean i could i could probably rival that and say no my shit was more dangerous than yours but like i think that maybe yours is more dangerous like i want to wonder how it got that stigma it got that stigma for a number of reasons i forget the phrase that some of my chiefs would say it's uh some it was somewhere around the lines where you're just kind of like uh staring out at the stars or staring up at the sky and just you have your your head in your ass and it's mainly those kind of people that get hurt up on the flight deck but Nonetheless, there has been situations where where people do get hurt. Actually, on deployment, we had um, I don't know if you guys know what a Hawkeye looks like. It's a propeller. It's a, a dual prop dual prop uh, aircraft. Uh-huh. And it so happens that when it turned, the exhaust hit him, and slammed him against another aircraft. He broke both his wrists. And so you just have to have your head on your shoulders when right. you're up there. You have to be very vigilant. You can't. You got to think about what you're doing and be very very aware of your surroundings. Right. There was one time that I, I man, actually for me the only scare I ever had, it was nighttime and these these um, these Hawkeyes, they don't make any sound when they're on. And at the very tip of the uh, of the of their props, they have like this uh, reflective tape. Mm-hmm. It kind of uh, illuminates kind of green. And if you don't, sometimes you you don't get to see it. It's not until you're very close that you hear, but very. Very They're faint, quiet, yeah. very, and and I remember turning around and looking at it. I was like, I was like maybe four feet away, and I was like, oh, that's way too close. How did I? You're almost chopped up. Yeah, yeah, I, Whew. yeah. And the other one is uh, one that we were very so lucky that it didn't happen under deployment. It's um, having that arresting gear snap on on the flight deck. Because the arresting gear is a big giant rubber band that you catch the plane yeah. with, basically, right? Yeah, I just, yeah. Oh, because they got the hook. On I was the actually going to ask the, you about that. They got yeah. the hook at the uh, at the back of the aircraft, mm-hmm. the tail hook, and they kind of come in like like a forty five degree, the forty five degree, drop their just, ass down first. Yeah, yeah, and then once they start like hitting the the deck, it, there's four wires. They usually target one. Um, I think they target the number three wire. So it's if, so from the after after the ship, from the very back of the ship to the front, you have one, two, three, and four. They usually target three, and I think it's for accuracy or for training purposes. But they can catch anyone, any one of those. And um, sometimes there's been videos if you look up on YouTube of that wire catching a plane and then snapping. Yeah, and it, there's it, there's one video they showed it to me. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but I remember watching it. This guy save he he saved himself. He jumped the wire twice when it snapped. It just it it snapped and it just because that'll rip your body in half. Yeah, kind of like a mooring line. Oh yeah, you've seen guys like uh, yes, in, uh, lose yes. legs and stuff because mooring lines snap. It's just as intense. Exactly. Yeah, and and yeah, it's scary. But um, they make sure they instill in your head. Once you start seeing those aircraft land, no one, no one goes beyond this line, and we're very vigilant. We have people stationed all over, and and that's where, that's where I kind of took pride in my in my rating. As a yellow shirt, we were not only just aircraft directors, but we were also making sure that we were assuring that everybody was safe. Mm-hmm. So we made sure that those people with their heads up their ass, they knew that, hey, and and they would listen to us. So we kind of, they kind of gave us that authority as a yellow shirt. They're like, listen to the yellow shirts. If they're telling you to get the hell out of the way, get yeah. the hell out of the way. I was going to ask you reason. what color shirt you wore because there was purple, green, 
red, yeah, yellow, white, brown. So it's it's all up there. Just uh, the, so the, the yellow shirts were like you were, yeah, you we ran were, the show because yes. you were the director. Yeah, we were directing, and so and we like one of our responsibilities is to assure the safety of everybody on board, especially on that flight deck. Nothing happened without us around. If something happened, the first people to kind of take a look at is like, where were you? Where were your personnel? What happened? Like, for example, that chief that I was telling you that hurt his hands. Yeah. Why wasn't somebody, you know, aware that where, where he was? And, and, and so there was, you know, but they gave us that authority to kind of, I mean, I remember talking, screaming at chiefs and, and officers. I took pride in that one. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out the way. You know, get out. You know, like, and so they couldn't say anything. Honestly, right. they, they didn't have any authority up there. You're looking out for them and exactly. their, their safety. And uh, so I hold, have. Hold on one sec. Let me yeah, jump in again. Sure. So when that line would snap. Like, so it's dangerous to the guys on the deck, but like, what about the guy flying the bird? Like, does he have enough time to like give enough thrust to keep going or does that bird just go off the edge of the... Good question, Nick. So when they come in, they come in at full military power. So in case they miss that wire, they have enough thrust to take So they're off. not slowing down. Nope. Holy shit. So, so they're coming 45 degrees at no. full speed. It's full amazing speed. to watch, dude. I'm, I it's, can't it's, explain so it. So yeah, so, so that, and that's the reason why it's even more dangerous because can you imagine... Not only the thrust, the, the power that this thing is coming to, I mean, but this thing is heavy as well. So when they come in, they got to come in it's at full military power. So in case they do miss that, they, they do miss that wire, they got to go back around. Is that relatively common? Like they'll miss like at nighttime, they'll miss a wire and just there make a was, circle? There was this one squadron that had this one pilot. <laughs> just one dude. <laughs> yeah, this one dude, man. He just couldn't he, get right. He couldn't. He couldn't. And, and I think it goes it goes along a lot with like shooting for that third wire. And I think it's for for their rating or whatever it is, making sure that they keep up the, you know, the position or, or, or effectiveness or whatever. He kept missing to, to the point where he, we were up there for like an extra 40 minutes trying to land this guy. And he was delaying launch operations. So they eventually told him, you know what? Any wire, just don't worry about it. And he ended up coming in, I think, first or second wire, which is not the usual, but but it didn't happen as often. Most most pilots were pretty pretty awesome. I give them a lot of props too. At night, man, it's pitch black. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't because of that little red light, amber light that we yeah. that, that we have, kind of, you know, there's certain parts of the aircraft carrier, even with that red light, that put your hand in front of your face and you can't see it. Especially like on a new moon, I think it is. A new moon is when mm -hmm. it's pure yeah. black. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on a new moon when you don't even have that moon. You don't have the you don't have the, the, the light from the from the moon, so you are in pitch black, man. Did you guys have night vision goggles when you're working out there at nighttime? No, 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 no. But we ha we would have to we would have these lenses. It, they look like uh snowboarding lenses almost. Yeah. So during the day you would you put like a like a darker one or, you know, something whatever that helped you look during the day with that with that sun glare. And then at nighttime you had to switch them out. It was mandatory, you had to switch them out and put a clear one on. Um, so that you you had full visibility of the flight deck. All right. Sorry, I, sorry. I, no, that's there. okay. It's army guys don't know shit about the real navy. Not a good thing. Do you guys know anything about like uh, what is a normal day on deployment on deployment on an aircraft carrier? Please tell us. I mean, it's so again. I, I from, love. It's different for everyone. Like, I love talking about deployment because that's really the only time I actually got to do my job. Um, what I got to train. That's what I went to school for. It's the only time. Any other time besides deployment, it was all pretending, and I hated it. They would, you know, give us a foxtail. I'm a professional in foxtail and dustpan. <laughs> <laughs> and you were a professional swabby. <laughs> so you know what I mean. So, but on deployment, it was awesome. So a normal work, a normal day for for aircraft carrier, 
you would wake up anywhere around 5 30 6 o'clock do what you have to do and be on on the flight deck by like 6 50 me in the front at the bow of the ship and you would make this long line and i think we did this out there in uh when we did the with the mission continues in the playground mm-hmm. we we all kind of made a line and then we were picking up debris and that's exactly what you do they call it a fod walk now foreign oh, object yeah. damage oh, yeah. it's called a police call in the army hands across america that's what we also call <laughs> it. there you go so there's this huge lines and you have like i remember doing fod walks yep. yeah you remember yeah, fod remember, walks yep. and then so you would do a fod walk and so it's 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 pretty long uh, you have everybody who's working up on that flight deck, you know, squadrons, whether it's squadron or ship personnel, you're up there. And the, the cool thing is that you sometimes you get like the people from down down below decks, you know, like you mm-hmm. or, you know, like machinist mates or just people that didn't belong. Because it's the only time that there was nothing really going on just besides. So you can get that walk of fresh air or whatnot. And so uh, you would start, you would go from the bow to the very end and you'd look, you're looking at that, at that flight deck and you're looking for anything that might get sucked into those mm-hmm. uh engines yep that's why at flight quarters like i never affected me in any way except they would secure the smoking sponsons nick and they like so because uh if you threw an ash over a cigarette butt over it could get sucked up so when they were doing flight ops especially on the blue ridge with the helicopter they you're not allowed to smoke for that time so that's the same concept as like fod walks like picking so up there's like a smoking li- lantern well we had like there's sm- a smoking light the smoking lantern on, is on the smoking lantern's off yeah there th- i've heard that too but ours was like the, sh- the smoke duct secured the okay. smoke deck is now open. But yeah, that was they always had a designated sponson for like where like you could usually go out on any sponson just to get fresh air, but they What's a sponson? Sponson's uh like a deck on the side of the ship, like kinda like Like a catwalk? Yeah, sort of like a catwalk. Yeah. So it's not on the top deck, it's like no, it's it runs like, parallel. Yeah, so like you have yeah. the flight deck and then it just it kinda sits right below, but there's like usually like a little bit of stairs that that you can just literally mm-hmm. walk up oh, to okay, the like sometimes like on think of any boat like boat where they would like store the lifeboats. Like yes. there were like lifeboats on yeah, the sponsons. I, I wanted to ask you a question before. Um I've seen old pictures, right, where they have where they they have like a a plane like hanging off the side of the ship, right? And so there's a certain time where like it you have to push it overboard do you ever do you understand what i'm talking about yes uh but that's actually only when during fire okay during fire okay. occasions like when there's when there's like an immediate threat with this aircraft and we can't put the fire on i remember doing those drills and i i can't remember the kind of what those aircrafts were made out of they were classified a certain fire i think delta or something and it, it's, it's something that if you added more water to it it just it got worse and electrical fires class bravo alpha's Paper. Paper. Bravo's Bravo is electrical. electric. Char- Charlie's. No. Charlie. No, Char- Charlie's right. elect is. <laughs> I forget. Char- I think Charlie's. Uh, uh, one of the two is fuel or like liquid. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think Bravo's fuel and Charlie's fire. But with, uh, electrical. So Delta's like fuck. Yeah. Yes. And Delta's and, and, and I think it's And I think it's a lot with like what the aircraft, like the aircraft is made out of. So that just like if you kept adding more water, then sometimes yeah. I'll just make it worse. And it's so like I a that, grease fire. Just like a yeah, grease fire. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. A so fire. you just had to kind of like. Uh, we would call it, if I'm not mistaken, oh man, jettison. Jettison, yes. Yes, jettison. Yes. So you just kind of like, all right, we're going to cut our losses. We're going to protect everybody who's on, on if board. The, if the plane blows up, boom, here goes your You'd ship. You'd let the pilot get out first, right? Of course. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, it goes over with it. So, so, um, my, so my particular, the aircraft directors, that division, you either become aircraft director, which is a yellow shirt, or you become sort of a firefighter on, on deck. So those are like the that's those right. were like the two routes. I I wanted to be in control. What was your job for general quarters? We just had to muster and just make sure that the, the okay. flight deck was. Clear. You didn't have like a station. Mm-mm, no, no, not really. Yeah. Just because I wasn't in the boiler room for general quarters. I like. I know for 
general quarters i think for small boys uh, like small boats there's like every person i didn't mean has to, to cut you off you said Go you want to be in control that's <laughs> why you chose the air- aircraft Air- yeah i mean yeah. Uh, there was something there was something so cool about and you know signaling that pilot that you know there was some you know you just had some authority you have some accountability some responsibility that you didn't have with the firefighters plus the fire n- right. we didn't ever have a fire so the right. firefighters were just sitting there and i was like yeah it looks kind of boring i don't want to do that it sounds like you have some innate leadership qualities because listen i wouldn't want that <laughs> i would not want that job i would not want to be responsible for bringing that plane in you know so there must be something in bryant paz some innate leadership qualities we're about to wrap but i want to give you a few minutes to talk about any experience with leadership you might have had and uh, what that means to you today and well, why you decided to get out and why you decided okay. to get out yeah i think it all ties in so in in the navy i had i had experience with uh both good and bad leadership more so bad than good um there was less than a handful of of chiefs or officers that i can actually say that guy impacted me positively I had more experience with bad leadership is those people that sent that uh, had a sense of entitlement because they've made rank and they stopped treating people as humans and they would just give orders and, and they, were they lazy? Very lazy. I met a lot of lazy. Guys I re- in the very lazy. I, I, I always admire the, the leader that can direct and get dirty. Oh yeah. You know, the, the person that just doesn't sit there and watch people do the work. They, they get there direct and do the work with them. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the reasons why I got out. My command it was just—it was just full of leaders that that weren't leaders. They they were just there because they had made rank and they got comfortable. Maybe I don't know if it's just comfortable, but it's it's just that sense of authority that they just they just got over it got over their head. Right. But do you think that doing the job you did, having the power and the responsibility you had on the flight deck, keeping people safe and all that, you think that prepared you? You're a leader now. You're le- you're a leader in your community. You're serving again with the mission continues. You um, know how TMC works, right? They get their hands dirty right alongside. Doesn't matter if you're the t- platoon leader or a volunteer. You think your time in the Navy prepared you for? Certainly, yeah. certainly. It, it gave me the exposure to to both good leader and bad leadership. I could honestly say here and say that even my experience with that bad leadership, I can take that as a, as a positive. I can twist it around and say, you know what? That's what I don't want to be. That's what I'm going to strive to right. avoid to be. And the good leadership, I took everything from them. What, what was so in their leadership was so effective. Mm-hmm. Why did people kind of gravitated towards that person and I picked up on on all that and took it with me and um, I'm applying it now serving um, through the TMC serving in in the office of Bergen County of veteran services Mm -hmm. and and at my job at Picatinny Arsenal in New Jersey Mm -hmm. so I've I've taken that and applied it to both my professional life and my personal life you Mm -hmm. know I I tried to uh, live to that um, to the standard of uh, you Practice what you preach. You know what I mean? We started the podcast and you were saying one of the major motivations that made you join was to be there for your family, your mother in particular. Is your mom proud? She is. She is. She's proud I, of your service and what, yes. and how what you turn out. You're not driving your hoopty around like you No, said. no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> and what's so awesome is that uh, my, my brothers, my brothers have touched me a couple of times by some of the essays that they've done or some of the projects that they, they bring to school. And my youngest brother, he... He wrote this essay uh, and and did this poster that kind of brought some tears to my eyes because they asked him who his hero was and you know Aww. it's 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 one of those things that you, you see on TV or you see other people you know like you know like oh that's cute but when when it's you it's yeah. different when 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 you're that hero for somebody else 
Wow, it just it's Absolutely. it's yeah. So I, I've I think I've done good by my mom and my family. I agree. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Thank you for having um, me. Before we do, yeah, can we talk about the Legion site with a? Uh, oh yes, the service project. Yes, let's let's please do. So sorry. So That's the okay. so the Office of Veteran Services out of Bergen County, New Jersey, they took along with some of the other uh, county offices, they started this initiative. AJ Luna, Director of Veteran Services who I've had a pleasure to know for the longest time, dear friend of mine, he's been kicking ass. He is setting the, the bar high for some of these uh, public offices. He's one of, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, he's less than a handful of people in the nation that has ended homelessness in, in a county. Ended, straight up a- ended, ended homelessness ended, in ended, Bergen yes, County. Yes, yeah, Under his command. Under his command. And this is with only a year or two and with very little funding. Mm-hmm. This, this guy is it's insane, the, the, the motivation behind this guy. And so uh, him and his office, they started this, this initiative to, uh, with the housing department especially, to look out for, for some land that they can acquire so that they can, uh, so that they can build some units for some of these homeless veterans. They were able to land a deal with the American Legion out of uh, Emerson Township in, in Bergen County. They donated the land to, to the county and it was it was from there. They donated the they land. They donated the land. Well, it was more like a like one dollar a year for the next ninety nine years. Wow. So what they did is they, along with the housing authority, they they just started building these these units. Mm-hmm. I posted a picture, uh, not a picture, a video on the on the TMC uh, Facebook page. Mm-hmm. If you took a look at them, these I've I mean, seen pictures on Facebook. They're beautiful. I mean, furniture, sim- like TVs. By so Samsung. it's gonna be yeah. So TVs. So uh, so it's gonna come fully furnished. TVs by Samsung, 40-inch TVs by Samsung. We have Making It a Home. It's a, it's a nonprofit organization that takes furniture and refurbishes at them and furnishes these these units. Uh, Home Depot gave uh, donated all the blinds for all these units. We got a couple other units, organizations, and, and I apologize if I'm missing anybody here, no, donating beds. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole they, thing. So they need for nothing, really, when they get nothing. in there. They're fully furnished. Fully furnished. And they 18 come in. units? Uh, 14. 14, and 14. then is it just one one occupant per unit, or is there more than one? One, one or two occupants two, per unit. Two occupants, yes. so times 14. I suck at math, but I think that's just about 28, 28, 14 times 2, Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so well, but not all of them come. That's, not, that's a good grip. For, I mean, for donating land, that's that's amazing. Yeah. That's and, some good work and right it's, there. And it's beautiful. The land is beautiful. The the, the place there, it's they're not getting tucked away in, in in the middle of a very rough area. No, I mean, they're, right. they're getting tucked, not tucked away. They're, they're being placed right in the midst of like a beautiful community so access to public transportation i'm sure you took all that stuff into account yes that's awesome and actually the the gentleman you've been speaking about aj luna uh we're going to have the privilege to interview him here in our next podcast i'm excited to have both of you here he's great Thank you for listening to this episode of Longest War. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, like, rate us on iTunes, Blueberry, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app.